Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is uh, September 21st, uh, 2023. What a night to remember. Um, I have a landmark in Onco Farm episode to deliver today. So we are going to go back 20 years to September 1st, 2003. Uh, with a landmark publication in ovarian cancer, a topic we haven't talked uh, a ton about. So, the number one movie on Labor Day weekend, 20, uh, 2003, was Jeepers Creepers 2. I didn't see that. I didn't see Jeepers Creepers, the first one. Now, the number two movie was Freaky Friday uh, with Lindsay Lohan, which was pretty good. Number one song in America, depending on where you look, was either Shake Your Tail Feather by Nelly or Where's the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh... The cover of Time Magazine, the, the cover story in Time Magazine was, quote, Is the army stretched too thin? U.S. forces prove quite sufficient to conquer Afghanistan and Iraq, but may be too small to keep the peace once the tyrants are gone. That's what was going on in the world. Uh, I found you can, um, online, you can find the rundown of every nightly episode. So here it was on the CBS Evening News on September 1st. Iraq war, Saddam tape, mosque car bombing, terrorism, bin Laden hunt. Uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, bank robbery. Uh, Middle East, Israelis, Palestinians, violence. Uh, upcoming storms. Uh, California recall election. The economy and job productivity. Um, commercials for Prilosec. Uh, Polydent. Alivert. Aleve. Nexium. That was going on in between. Uh, and then uh, the end of the night was a uh, story of cancer slash courageous kid. That's what was going on in the world in 2003. In the sports world, the Montreal Expos, no longer a team that exists, they're now the Washington Nationals, uh, was making a run for the single wildcard spot. Now we have multiple wildcard spots in Major League Baseball. And Michael Vick uh, made his debut at quarterback for Virginia Tech. Um, that was fun. Alright, so uh, in ovarian cancer, uh, in, in this time, there was a question of what's the best chemotherapy regimen for women who are optimally debulked uh, with surgery when they're diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So what we knew prior to this was that uh, cisplatin and paclitaxel was better than cisplatin cyclophosphamide in terms of overall survival. We had two studies, two studies, what a luxury, two large studies, one from a um, the gynecologic oncology group, so GOG, and then one from a, a European and Canadian study with slightly different patients, uh, either stage 2 to stage 4 or just stage 3 and 4, um, but they both showed that cis-paclitax was better than cisplatin and cyclophosphamide. Now, most of those patients were advanced disease. They were not optimally debulked in many of them, and so at the time, it was not considered standard to substitute carboplatin for cisplatin for these women that were optimally debulked, and that was the base of this study, was cis-paclitaxel versus carboplatin-paclitaxel. Now, this was a, a somewhat selected patient population. These were stage three patients. They had to have had uh, the staging um, surgery, and they had to have uh, no residual disease more than one centimeter. Uh, that would be optimally debulked. And they are randomized to either cisplatin 75 milligrams per meter squared, uh, given at one milligram per minute, um, which would be about 150 minutes for a lot of folks, so a two and a half to three hour infusion, uh, and paclitaxel 135, not 175, but 135 milligrams per squared over 24 hours. So these patients would have been admitted for a long infusion of cisplatin and then a 24 hour infusion 
of paclitaxel. That was the cis-paclitaxel, every three weeks for six cycles. Or carbopaclitaxel, and carboplatin was AUC of 7.5, uh, dosed using the Jaleef formula for GFR, not creatinine clearance or Cockroft-Gall as many pharmacists are used to. Uh, and then paclitaxel, what we're used to more of a dose of 175 milligrams per squared over three hours. So it's not just cis-paclitaxel versus carbopaclitaxel, it's cis and 24-hour infusion of a lower dose of paclitaxel versus carbo and kind of our standard three, every three week, three hour infusion of paclitaxel. Um, they did um, have uh, dose delays allowed in order. So if your counts were not good um, on cycle two, uh, then um, so you come back for the next cycle, then you, you delayed the cycle for one to two weeks, and then you reduce the dose if you still had delays with the next cycle, and then you could do GCSF. So nowadays we would be much more um, uh, you know, uh, willing to use GCSF if you were, you know, neutropenic uh, after cycle one, we'd use GCSF to prevent you from being neutropenic so you could stay on schedule. Uh, but that was a, a sign of the times. There were uh, 400 patients in the uh, cisplatin arm and, and 392 in paclitaxel, so a large study, almost 800 patients. 75% uh, of these women were aged uh, 41 to 70, what you would expect. Uh, 88 and 84% respectively were white. Uh, and 70, 75% respectively, their disease was serous adenocarcinoma. And 55, 54% of these patients had, had uh, grade three disease. So this was an aggressive disease. Um, it was a non-inferiority margin study. I won't go into the statistics here uh, because uh, it doesn't end up being that pertinent when we look at this. Uh, we don't see this reported in studies as often, but it was pretty standard 20 years ago uh, to give the chemotherapy um, dose density how, or dose intensity, how much of the dose was received. So 85% uh, of patients were able to receive six cycles of cis-paclitaxel compared to 87% with carbapaclitaxel. Uh, not that different. They also have the average doses uh, given as well. Uh, and, you know, a lot of folks were, did have some dose reduction, but, um, you know, the uh, the median dose of paclitaxel, for example, is an AUC 7.43, uh, and if, uh, it would be 7.5 if you did that all the way through. Uh, from an efficacy standpoint, we don't see any, any detriment to carboplatin instead of cisplatin. In fact, numerically, the carboplatin group performed better than cisplatin if you look at our... our um, progression-free survival curves, you know, if you just look at the, the two-year mark, 24, 24 months after treatment, about half of the patients in each arm, more than half, had recurred at two years where they got carbo or cisplatin, with fewer patients having recurrence that were assigned to carboplatin. Overall survival, more than half the patients, or about half, are alive at four years, uh, with that number being higher if they received carboplatin due to paclitaxel. The, the, you know, the risk ratio for recurrence was... Um, was 0.88 with a 95% constable, 0.75 to 1.03, the uh, the upper bound of the uh, the constable to, to demonstrate non would be 1.25 or 1.3, depending on if you're looking at uh, PFS or overall survival. But it's 1.03 and 1.02 respectively, so clearly, clearly demonstrates non-inferiority. Even if the non-inferiority margin had been 5%, it would have demonstrated non-inferiority. Non um, uh, and numerically, you know, the the survival outcomes favored uh, carboplatin, which uh, which I think was surprising to folks at the time because carboplatin is is less active. It it takes you know it takes ten times longer to be bioactivated. It is a really a prodrug. There's a reactive intermediate, and it's ten times slower to to become active than cisplatin. 
And in every other scenario, whether it's cervical cancer, um, non-small cell lung cancer has been resected, uh, bladder cancer, we know that cisplatin has better outcomes compared to carboplatin in, in this setting. Well, in, in resected, optimally debulked um, ovarian cancer, we don't see that. We see carboplatin is just as good at a dose of AUC of 7.5. Now, we have lots of data using AUC of 5 and 6 being very effective as well. Um, but this was, uh, you know, the study that kind of established carbopaclitaxel um, and the every, th or the th every three weeks with three-hour infusion of paclitaxel as opposed to the 24-hour infusion they gave with the cisplatin regimen. This is what established that as kind of the standard of care and the backbone for, uh, for advanced ovarian cancer, uh, whether it is metastatic and not been debulked or these stage three patients who have been optimally debulked, this still maintains, um, it's still the backbone we use today uh, in ovarian cancer. Uh, you can add some, some bevacizumab and get some added PFS. Uh, not certain you get better overall survival adding Bev uh, with two studies uh, done uh, that have done that. That's a prior episode as well. From a side effect standpoint, we saw uh, more thrombocytopenia in the carboplatin arm. For example, grade three and grade four thrombocytopenia were three and two percent respectively in the cisplatin group, say five percent total. Uh, grade three and four thrombocytopenia were 19 and 20 percent respectively in carboplatin, so say 40 percent in grade three and four together. So much more thrombocytopenia with carboplatin than cisplatin. Roughly equivalent rates of leukopenia and granulocytopenia. Uh, more gastrointestinal toxicity with cisplatin, assuming that is uh, nausea. More metabolic uh, toxicity uh, with cisplatin, presumably that is electrolyte abnormalities like hypokalemia and hypomagnesemia, and more genitourinary toxicity with cisplatin compared to carboplatin, assuming that is a, a renal toxicity, 3% grade 3 genitourinary. Uh, not very well described in the, in the table here uh, with that. So that is um, the, uh, the regimen uh, that established uh, carbopaclitaxel as really our backbone for, for ovarian cancer, and that maintains today. Um, uh, demonstrated uh, very easily. It wasn't even close. Demonstrated non-inferiority compared to cis-paclitaxel. This is from uh, from GOG, gynecology, gynecologic oncology group. The first author here is Robert Ozols, um, published in JCO 20 years ago this month. Uh, so we got a nice little 20th anniversary uh, to celebrate uh, this regimen and this publication. Uh, thank you for listening. You can follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter at FarmDNIP, and you can follow the podcast on both uh, on Twitter, Instagram, threads at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.